pastor a good hand clap, would you please? Amen. Thank God for a good pastor tonight. Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody. Would you turn with me to uh, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll get right into the scriptures tonight. Amen. So glad to be back with everybody and to see you. You know, um, it's amazing how famous all of you are. I don't know if you realize this or not. You know, you, you chuckle, but I meant what I said. Pastor and I were at lunch today with uh, Brother Scott, and the, the waitress came up and she said, you know, she had a, a relative that comes here some, and, and uh, so talked a little bit about her. And then she made this statement. She said, you know, I love the Christmas program at that church. And I thought, isn't that interesting how the Ministry of Helps works? She didn't say, I've, I've Pastor Coleman, I've heard all of your sermons. I've heard the famous man. I came here, Brother Ray, preach. But she said, when your helps people, right, when that team of yours get up and they begin to present that Christmas thing, she said, it just really helps me every year. You know, you don't realize sometimes what you do and how much it impacts the community around here. Amen. And how God say God. God is using you as much as pastor to touch people in this community with the love of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, sometimes we think, well, that's Pastor Coleman's church, and it is. Amen. And uh, that's, that's the main, like the Moses. But it takes a team, say a team. God isn't into using just one person. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came in the room and filled the whole house. Say the whole house. That God wants to use every person in these last days, amen, to reach somebody, amen. So, you know, you don't think it matters, but it does matter, amen. I tell this story all the time at, at our church. Uh, my pastor, Dr. Barkley, came to me, you know, we were just talking about different things, not like he was asking my opinion, just kind of getting his feelers out, as we call it. And um, we used to do a, or did a kids musical. And um, he said, you know, I'm really thinking it's an awful lot of work, and I don't know that we want to keep doing it. And, he said, you know, do you have any thoughts? I said, well, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. I can't get my relatives to come hear me preach. They won't. I can't get them to come hear you preach. They won't. I've invited them. I said, when we have big speakers in, they don't come to hear them either. So me, you, or them, they don't come. I said, but when their grandchildren start singing Mary, what star o' night? All of a sudden, tears start coming from grandma and grandpa's eyes, and their hearts soften to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you never realize what God is using as a team, say a team, together to touch the people in your community, amen, with the love of God, like I said before. And so it's important that every person makes himself available to what God wants for them to do. Can you say amen? amen. So kudos to all of you. Hallelujah. And um, God bless a good team. Let's study here just a little bit in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. These are familiar verses, but we're going to pull some things out of these scriptures tonight. This is the great apostle Paul writing to Timothy, kind of his armor bearer, somebody he, he had raised up. And over the course of time, he had left him behind to pastor a church that Paul had gotten going. And, and he's writing him by the Holy Spirit, you know. I know people won't necessarily understand this, but there was a day there was no internet. I know, I know, it's just stretch your imagination. Hallelujah, it hasn't always been here. And so Timothy could, couldn't text Paul and say, hey, I'm having a hard time. 
just happened to be a person named God who would speak to people. Can you say amen? And so the apostle Paul is instructed to pen this letter and to send it to Timothy and to give him these instructions by the Holy Spirit. Thank God for good leadership. I believe you have that in this house as well. But in verse 12, it says this. It says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading. Now, he doesn't say pay attention to what everybody's saying about you. He's really saying ignore all of that. Amen. You know, the phrase there, let no man despise your youth, it, it really, if you broke it down a little further in the Greek, it would say, let no man let, make you despise your own youth. Don't put yourself down because you're young. Just like I would say, don't put yourself down because you, don't, you lack what you would consider a good enough education. Or I, I'm not physically fit, I'm too heavy. Brother Ray, I, I hate myself. You're despising yourself for things that, in all honesty, shouldn't affect your spiritual growth at all. Amen? If you can be physically fit, you want to do that, hallelujah, knock yourself out. I think you hurt yourself if you don't take good care of your body. But you don't have a verse, and I don't have a verse for the perfect biblical specimen. Amen? So let's just do the best we can to walk in moderation. Can you say amen? And if one day we can all look like Brother Brad, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can lay hands on all of us. But I'm not doing that haircut for anybody. Amen. Hallelujah. The muscles maybe, the do, no. Amen. So we all walk in love. Hallelujah. But what he's saying to Timothy is now don't get distracted by what the people are saying about you. I know that never happens here, but it did in Timothy's life. Don't worry about what people are saying. What's he saying in 13? Till I come, what do you focus on, Timothy? Give attention, focus on reading, exhorting to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you through prophecy. Isn't that interesting? We'll come back to that. With the laying out of hands of the eldership, meditate or focus on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So in other words, too much focus on what people are saying about you may stop your progress. Yeah. Isn't that correct? Yeah. I used to try to tell people, you know, what this verse is saying is, is if, if you and I are good, then don't worry about everybody else. And he, Paul is writing, telling Timothy, you and I are good. Stay with what and focus on those things. Amen. <clears throat> Meditate on these things. Give yourself. Say that with me. Give yourself. Yeah. Give yourself entirely to them. Let's just hold that thought for just a minute. I, I think we live in a day and a time, um, maybe some of the, what I would call the senior saints, you know, seniors, anybody older than me, hallelujah. But I, I would have to say the work ethic in our nation is not at all what it was when I was growing up. I'm shocked, you know, as I travel past, I have to have a receipt for everything. If I blow my nose, I have to have a receipt for the Kleenex. If I use ministry money to buy them, especially, you have to receipt everything. It's just unbelievable. So when I stop at a gas station, I don't want to go in. I want to stop, get my gas, and go, right? Well, I stop, I don't know how many times, and it won't print the receipt. So now I got to go in. Now, I, <laughs> does anybody else notice this phenomena? None of them work. It's amazing to me. And I go in to get my receipt, and the line is like off the charts, I remember a day, and I'm not that ancient of days, when there was a lady at the register, she'd hit about four buttons, 
And she was faster than blink, 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 blink. And better at it. I like excellence at, at any level. Any level doesn't matter to me where, but I really love it in the church when people are giving themselves to their call. That's what Paul's talking about here. You don't just go through the motions. Pay attention to what you're doing. Focus on it. My wife Janine and I were in uh, South Africa a couple years ago, and her father had paid for us to get a tour at the Kruger National Park, which is a real joy because you don't, it's not like going through the zoo. It's like you drive through. Right. There's elephants on this side. There's giraffes on this side. Uh, if you're fortunate, you get to see a lion climb up a giraffe's back and take it out. Those are cool. I know everybody doesn't enjoy that, but I enjoy that. And I know the animal rights people get mad, but I always say you should see what they do to each other. Hallelujah. And all of this is going on. And so her father got us a night tour where you can go out on this this little buggy and they got guy takes a gun and you can see more animals in, in activity at night than you do at all during the day. And so he's driving along and he's talking about different animals and rhinoceroses and everything. And he's talking, there's white rhinos. I didn't know that. There's black rhinos. I didn't know that either. Don't, it's not a racial thing. It's just what there were. Amen. There's black bears. There's white bears. There's panda bears. They got everything in them. Amen. It's just what they call them. Hallelujah. But he, he was talking about different ones that were in that area. And my mother-in-law asked a simple question. How can you tell that they're both in this area? This guy stops. His name is Martin. And he walks back and he picks up a pile of leftover rhino dinner. Oh, no. Is it all right to say it that way? You know what I'm talking about? Manure. And he breaks it open. And he says, now you see the leftovers, what's in here. This is from whatever color rhinoceros goes with that. Walks over and he grabs another pile, breaks it open, says this is from the other side. And I sat there, Pastor, and I thought, we have ushers who don't know where the children's area is. This guy can tell you what animal is in his part of the jungle by breaking open the pile of manure. He has so given himself to his endeavors in life and made excellence out of what he does. You understand what I'm talking about? He has, he has what this verse is saying, focus or meditate on what is in front of him, not what everybody thinks about what his assignment is in life. Can you say amen? I like that about that guy. That probably was 10 years ago. I still remember that like it happened this morning. This, that's what Paul is writing to, to Timothy. He says, focus, pay attention to what's at hand, what's in front of you. Don't worry, you get distracted by everything else going on around you. Can you say amen? Give yourself entirely to them. Take heed, what? To yourself. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. Now, this thought in mind, keeping that verse, go back with me to chapter 1, verse 18. Same book, 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made. When were they made? Previously. So before you were ever put into this office, there was already prophetic words over you made concerning you that by them you may wage a good warfare. 
having faith and conscience, and some which some rejected concerning the faith and suffered shipwreck. And then it goes on to name a couple that, that Timothy would know. Here's my question. When Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he says, he says, that talks about the gift that was in you through the laying out of my hands. Did the gift come first or did the problem in the church come first? The gift. So what you're telling me is God put an answer in Timothy before the devil put a problem in Timothy's life. There was already a solution by the hand of God as long as Timothy would pay attention to what God, say God, what God had already done rather than what the people and what the devil was doing against him. It's called the pre-supply of God. God solved the problem that didn't exist yet. All of that time that Timothy was, was running errands and doing the helps ministry, all that time that he was working with him and he'd say, get me my parchments, bring me this, and they'd go from city to city and Paul would do this and write this and record that and send this to so-and-so and this goes over here and over there. It wasn't wasted time. It was God, say God. It was God preparing Timothy for this day. Timothy just didn't know it yet. All of those things and what this apostle is doing, he's saying, remember the things I taught you. Go back to, I, I, I wanna say this, in preparing for tonight's sermon and getting myself ready, I feel this is a word if I could say for this church. Some of, the th some of you have been here so long, you don't need a new sermon. Amen. Many of the things that we're facing today are things pastors already taught us, things God has already put into us. There's gifts and there's spiritual impartation that took place in our yesterdays. And they weren't for nothing. They were for preparation for right now. So many people seem to be so overwhelmed because of COVID and all of this. And we're trying in many churches, not just here to get people to come back, say, come back. Uh, if you're live streaming, come to church. Amen. Amen. But the reason that, that he's bringing this is he's trying to get through to him. The problem isn't that God hasn't told you what to do, is that you're losing it, worried about all of these things that are around you. Focus on the gift, focus on your doctrine, focus not on the, con on the criticisms of the people. I know never have criticism here, this holy city, hallelujah. But in other churches, they have these problems. And that, that is what Paul, the great apostle is writing, he's saying, Focus now. God put an answer in you before the situation ever arose in your life. If I was to sit down with you and, and, and talk about a good construction team or the medical field, they don't let you into brain surgery and then hope, at least I hope not, right, that you know what you're doing. You are pre-taught these things before you ever get in those situations. And then somebody works with you, not for a short season, but for years to prepare you for what to do when it is your own. The same thing happens in the helps ministry. God, knowing what he would, would face one day, pre-put things in Timothy that was for this obstacle in this situation. Can, are you with me tonight? Can you say amen? That's what I want to talk to you about. Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Verse 1. 
Look at this. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So this is, I don't, you know, men were looking really bad in these verses here because it's only the ladies team that has come to Sunday morning to see Jesus' body. Amen. I don't know where the others are. We'll get to them in a minute. But gentlemen, we are looking really sad in these verses. Hallelujah. What they did is, of course, Jesus was, was crucified on Friday. Saturday's the Sabbath. They couldn't do anything. So they quickly took him Friday. They put him in the tomb. It's getting late. They didn't have a proper time to do what we would call like an embalming, though it's not identical, be similar. It's the closest thing I can think of. And they, they, so they just kind of put him in there and they came back Sunday now after the Sabbath day and they're going to, they're going to actually put some spices on him and do the best they can to slow the decay from what's going to happen, for what they assumed was going to happen, verse 5. Sorry, verse 4. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed, say greatly, greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still with you in Galilee, saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Verse 8, here it is. And they remembered his words. Did the, did the problem of the crucifixion happen first or did the words come first? So again, he gave them a solution before the problem ever showed up. What happened? They forgot they lost track of the things they had already been taught. I would say, you know, well, Brother Ray, how does the Lord speak to us today? The Lord speaks to us through his word. Isn't that pretty plain? I believe the Lord speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. Correct? But one of the primary ways that the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus will speak to us is through the vessel, the fivefold vessel that he put in our life that leads us and guides us and equips us for our work of the ministry, meaning your pastor. Amen. Because you understand, Jesus is the one that put the gift of the pastor in, in any man. No man puts that in himself. Jesus does that. Why? So he can equip you for your work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, 11, and then the following verses. So that you're ready. So if Jesus is going to prepare you for something you're not prepared for, one of the chief ways he's going to use that is your pastor. So the more you can get around him and the more you can catch, say catch, the things of the spirit, the more you're taught things that the average person doesn't get. Amen. Is this, are you with me on a Saturday night? Hallelujah. And what, you know, the angels, for as many people that don't believe that the angels hearken to the word of the Lord, these angels were still doing it. Jesus isn't even there anymore in a sense. He's gone. They're still bringing his words to pass. Evidently, they believe in the confession message. Amen. Let's keep reading. 
They remembered his words. They returned and they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and other women with him who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. The great apostle Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, none of them. None of them. Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. Let's just study this just a little bit. Verse, verse 18. It says, and it happened as he was alone praying, that's Jesus, that his disciples joined him and he asked them saying, who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. 20, but he said to them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, the Christ of God. Now, if you go to Matthew 16, 17, which we won't, he says, thou art the, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus says to him, Flesh and blood did not remember this. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. We'll come back to that. Let's read on here. 21, and he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was willing for the disciples to know it, but not for the multitudes to know it? Therefore, we can deduce when you walk with a real man of God, God will share and talk to you about things that not everybody is allowed to know. Amen. He goes on, 22, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Now, that's the first time he's going to tell them. That's what the angel's talking about. Remember his words. Right. This is the first time if you go to this, we won't look at it. But in, if you go to chapter 944, later in the same chapter, Jesus tells them the same thing a second time. And then in chapter 1831, Jesus tells them the same thing a third time. Sometimes people think that pastors repeating sermons. Jesus wasn't repeating sermons. God was repeating sermons. Pastor, very <laughs> I don't know if you know, I'll, I'll repeat things and I very well know I've already said them. I'm pretty sure God knows I've already said them. But God knows that I don't know that they didn't get it, though I said it. Any parent in here can say amen to exactly what I'm talking about. You know you said it eight times today alone and the room still is not clean. Hallelujah. Let's keep moving. Going back to verse 20. Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ of God. Matthew 16, 17. Again, Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, right? You didn't get this from me. You got it from my Father in heaven. There is an old saying among the Pentecostals, if you've known any of the old-time Pentecostals. It's the things of the Spirit are more caught than they are taught. Meaning you get around a real man of God, you will catch things more than they can teach you things. That's exactly what's happening here in these verses when Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, I didn't tell you that. You caught it from him. 
The things of the Spirit, I'll say it again, they're more caught than they are taught. The more you can get around your pastor, the more you can get involved with the helps ministry, the more you can give yourself to the things of the house of God, you'll begin to automatically pick up that spirit. You begin to automatically glean things and learn things. Some of my, does this make sense to anybody? That's what Jesus was telling Peter. Let me say it this way. I was on the front row working for Pastor Barclay and, and he was preaching for a guy by the name of Pastor Jim Crabb. I know you know Pastor Jim Crabb. He's kind of a wild man from Cincinnati, but he's one of my favorite preachers. Hallelujah. And pastor's on the front row and I'm on the front row praising worship's going on and I'm just standing there minding my own business, Brother Jay. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He begins to talk to me. Now, this is like in 91, 93, right in there, right? I know it's a million years ago, but just stick with me. Praise God. We wrote this on the cave wall back in the day. And as I'm standing there, Pastor, the Holy Spirit speaks to me during the middle of praise and worship. And he begins to talk to me about Nathan the prophet. How Nathan the prophet went and dealt with King David. Called him out when he was in sin. And I turned to pastor and I said to him, I said, it strikes me that the prophets were always in charge of the kings, even though God himself put the kings in. He never put the kings in charge of the prophets. The prophets were always in charge of the kings. He turned to me, he said, talk to me about that after church. We went back and on the way back, I brought it up again. He began to talk to me about there, it, takes, it takes a season for God to establish you. It takes a season and time for that to come. But over the course of time, yes, that's one of the ministries that the fivefold has is to deal not just with the things in the church, but the society overall, dealing with those civil leaders, as I would call them. Well, now if you were to listen to my pastor preach, he will tell you about our governor calling him, judges in our city calling him, our prosecutor calling him I picked that up in 92 before those people were ever calling him for input and advice and quite honestly before some of the Gulf War took place there were there were civil leaders calling that prophet of God saying if we do this are we going to start the end of all wars even they were concerned if we go into the Middle East will we ignite a powder keg we don't want to ignite he didn't tell me that. I didn't get it from my pastor. I got it from my pastor's God. That's what happened to Peter. Peter didn't get it from his pastor Jesus, if I can say it that way. He got it from his pastor's God. The things of the spirit are caught. They're not taught. Amen. That's why I try to tell people. See, Jesus could have told the 12, right? He could have said, make sure you show up at all of my meetings. And I'll make you a fisher of men. Make sure you're at all of the miracle services. I'll make you a fisher of men. But he didn't. He said, follow me. You, if you, to get where you want to go, you're going to have to come closer. It's going to take more effort from your part to get for you to become a fisher of men. You want to walk with God. You want to heal the, heal the leper cleanse, and cleanse demons out of people. If you want to raise the dead, you've got to have a closer walk than everybody just coming and going from all of my meetings. You've got to, you've got to go fishing to get a, get a fish with a gold coin in his mouth, Peter. You've got to row the boat through the night. You go prepare the upper room. You go sit the, group, the 
people in groups of 50s and 100s. What's he saying? It's going to take more time and more investment in you, but you've got to be around to really get from me what the gifts that God has for you in your future. Can you say amen? Are you still with me on a Saturday night? And he's trying to tell them you'll catch things being around that you won't catch if you're not around. You just won't. You might want them. Other people might be getting them, but you won't get them if you don't get involved in what the Holy Spirit is doing. Can you say amen? That's why when we start talking about the ministry of helps, it's God doing what? He's trying to get things to you, even, that, even those things that, that aren't necessarily coming right through your pastor, but they come from being around this atmosphere and working in the helps ministry. Can you say amen? Go with me, if you would, to um, Exodus chapter 17. Familiar set of verses, so let's just read it pretty quick. But verse 8, we'll pick it up. Story of Joshua and then Moses with Aaron and Hur. It's a great picture for the helps ministry. In verse 8, it says, Now Amalek came and they fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and stand and fight with Amalek. I'd like to just refer you to the portion that he said, Choose some men. Isn't that correct? He doesn't say choose some women to go do all the work. Is that right? Oh, Brother Ray, you're just, you don't understand modern. Yeah, I understand. I understand God. Amen. I, don't, I love my wife. I don't expect her to go to war while I sit home. Amen. That's my job. That's what I do. Can you say amen? Say so you're a male chauvinist pig. I am a male and I probably am a chauvinist. I don't like the pig part, but amen. I do. <laughs> amen. I believe that the man ought to take his role. In, in the church. Amen. And especially in the family, choose some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up onto the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. Folks, no offense, but anybody's hands would become heavy. If you take a pen or a pencil and hold it over your head, your hands and your shoulders will eventually begin to burn. You can't hold it for forever. So they took a stone, verse 12, and they put it under him and he sat upon it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands. Isn't this a great picture of the helps team? On one side and on the other side, and his hands were steady, say steady. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Sounds like another remember verse. That I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is Our Banner. And uh, it, it goes on. I've thought about this probably 10,000 times over the course of the years. Aaron and Hur, such a great picture. Everybody's taught it. I've taught it, how they helped Moses. I like to just say for just a minute here. 
If you'll notice, it matters how strong your pastor is. If your pastor's left to be overrun, there's no help, no one's steady in his hands, keeping him strong. It affects all of us. The power level in the church drains down. But if you can keep your pastor strong, if you can come to his aid, if you can hold up his hands, so to speak, that strength then, it extends and there's power in the whole camp. The businesses in the church do better. The children's church does better. Why? Because that standard is held up and there's, there's the strength of God among all of us, not just Aaron, or sorry, not just Aaron and her, but it helped Joshua even down in the valley. But I've looked at this and I've looked at this and I've looked at this and I thought to myself, who has, who has a harder duty? Aaron and her, they did a great work. But is that as hard as Joshua's day? I would think getting spears chucked at you all day is a little bit more difficult. And if I'm tired this way, I run to the other side and trade out with her and hold up this arm for a little while. Pastor, I've thought about this, I don't know how many times with Joshua, because at least in my life, I've always felt more like Joshua than Aaron and her because it seemed like my pastor leaned on me more than other people. Jay, one day I read this and I realized Joshua's next call later on in Joshua chapter six, right in there, is he will be the commander of the Lord's army. Aaron and her never will be. He's going to go into the promised land and take those people. Aaron and her aren't going into the promised land. This is as far as they're going to go. God, in his wisdom, whether Moses knows it or Joshua knows it, God is fixing Jericho years before Jericho's wall is ever built. Nobody even knows the problem is coming yet, and God is already sending an answer and getting Joshua ready for his tomorrows. By the way, he submits. I know that's a dirty word, but submission is still part of your Bible. And when, Ma, when Joshua does what Pastor Moses tells him, God is using it to make preparation in Joshua for his future and his tomorrows. He could have said, I don't feel led. He could have said, I don't really think that's what my call is, Pastor. I don't really want to go do that today. And he would have never been ready to be the commander of the Lord's army years later when that assignment came down. Is this making sense to anybody on a Saturday evening? How much you give yourself to what God has in front of you right now today sets your course for your future and your tomorrows and your dreams. There's so much teaching about destiny. This person has a destiny, great. How are you gonna get there if you never accomplish what's in front of you today? If you don't take, you know what I'm talking about? If you don't master what you have right now, then tomorrow and your quote destiny, you won't be ready for it even if it comes. Simple illustration. I only have my stories, right? So if you've heard it already, you just tell it better than I do and make sure I tell it right. Pastor Barkley called me one morning. He said, hey, I'm gonna go down to Saginaw. That's about a half hour away in Midland. We don't necessarily have supplies and repairs for everything. Saginaw is a little bigger city. You can get more done in a short amount of time. 
So he called me in the morning. He said, hey, I'm going down to Saginaw to get some work done on the church vehicle. It was his vehicle, church supplied. And he said, now, he said, when I get there, I'll drop it off. You meet me at such and such a place at, I think it was like 10 o'clock. And then I'll hop in with you and we'll go run some errands. By the time we get done with those, I'll get my truck and off we'll go. I said, sure, no problem. Well, I, I got there and he got in and I apologized because I didn't have a very nice car. And uh, we were still living in a trailer at the time, and, and uh, the car leaked every time it rained. I had a puddle on the back floorboard. Anybody can relate. Hey, hallelujah. And uh, so he got in, and I apologized. I said, Pastor, I'm really sorry. This isn't a very nice car, and, and um, I, I, I know better, but this is all I got. And I'll never forget. He said, Ray, he said, I don't care that your car's not new or fancy. He said, it doesn't matter to me. But he said, could you vacuum it? And I started to make excuse because just before that, a wind had come through. I didn't even have a garage, but the car poured on my trailer. The wind came through and blew it off. The insurance company didn't want to pay me for it. They wanted to just total the whole trailer. I had to fight with them not to total the whole, because I got to live somewhere. Amen. And oh, oh, it was fun. Hallelujah. And that's where and I'm starting to say, look, everybody doesn't have a garage and a shop back. I know you don't live like that. I'm just telling you where I was living. And he said to me, before I could get anything out, he said, he said, if you went to the car wash, could you use their vacuum? <laughs> Never thought of that. I said, yeah, I guess so. He said, what would that cost you? I said, 50 cents. He said, do you have 50 cents? I said, yeah. He said, then it's not a money problem, is it, son? Over the course of time, my son became his chief pilot now. Their plane just went in for a major inspection, million, I don't know. I understand there's been abuses to the prosperity message. I'll be the first to tell you I disagree with how far some people take it. I find these extremes right now in the body of Christ. God wants you dirt poor. God wants you to be a billionaire. I think if we could just stick with the verses, I'd be very, very happy with those. Amen. <clears throat> We were talking about this even. If you dig a ditch for you, you don't need a crane. You need a shovel. If you're going to do it as a business, you better bite the bullet and go get the crane, the excavator, because it's very hard for you to do it with a shovel and make any real money. Correct? Really to take care of that many customers. The last year I worked for Pastor Barclay, he had our church, a second church in Ohio, he was keeping going, and he did 140 meetings outside of our church. Well, you don't do that with a car, right? You just can't. You have to be able to get from A to B in a much shorter period of time. I mean, he was Sunday morning in our church, Sunday night in the church in, in Ohio, Wednesday at that church, Thursday back in our church, plus fitting in other meetings every night of the week in between. That's what I'm talking about with the plane. So I don't want you to think it's just for fluff, amen? It, it was, you, prophet needs a fiery chariot, hallelujah. <clears throat> so his plane went in for inspection and when it came out, the maintenance crew got a hold of pastor and they said, this plane that your pilot has, this is the very best maintained plane, sorry, one of the very best planes we have ever brought in for maintenance or inspection in all the years we've been doing this. Do you know where my son learned that? From his father. You know where I learned that? Because my pastor said, go home and vacuum your car. 
You want God to give you more? Take care of what you have. You can disagree with that all day long. I'm telling you, it changed my life. My daughter, Kendra, when in, um, she's a nurse now. She works in labor delivery. And uh, she came in early one morning on her shift. You know, the, the night, the crew that worked the night had delivered this baby. So Kendra came in. You know, she, doc, she's looking over the charts and going over everything. And, and the, the doctor's wrapping up and leaving because everything's pretty much done. And they're just giving Kendra all of the, you know, the charts and everything. And they said, okay, everything's fine. And so Kendra went over, walked over, looked at the baby. And um, the nurse said, look, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, sign the charts and, you know, we'll transition. And Kendra just started taking off all the, the swaddling, you know, all the blankets and looked her over. And this baby had a little mark on one of her toes. I think it was blue, might have been red. And she said, how did this get here? The nurse said, well, I don't know. She said, well, he didn't get it walking around. He just got here. Sure enough, she began to do a blood pressure check. And, Doc, I don't understand it all, so I'm just going to stay real general. She did a blood pressure check from one arm to the other. I guess there's in blood coming in, blood going out. I don't understand it all. And she found a heart abnormality. And it was overpressurizing the bloodstream and beginning to push a bump in the big toe. And she caught it called the nurse, called the doctor, you need to get back in this room, we've got a problem, caught it in time, got the kid to the proper place, and everybody's fine to this day. You know where that started? Vacuum your car. These little things that the Holy Spirit taught me when I began to work in the Ministry of Helps. Give yourself to your gifts. Pay attention to what God has put in you, to the call of the Almighty. Remember, Timothy, before you got here, God was burning things in you. God was putting things in you. God was preparing you for what he would do in your future, in your life. But you have to give yourself to what God, say God, has assigned for you and I to do. Can you say amen? So when we start talking about the ministry and helps, or we start talking about excellence in the ministry, Folks, I can literally go from one person to the other in your scriptures and show you where God was already preparing them for their future. But you have to pay attention to what God's doing in your life today. Can you say amen? And if we will make good use out of what God is doing right now, say now. Then when our, quote, destiny comes, we're ready to walk from victory into victory. Can you say amen? Let me pray for you, and then I'll close up shop and turn it back over to Pastor. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for this beautiful church called Grace. I thank you for its future and its tomorrows. But Lord, may we give ourselves to our endeavors today, to the things you have called for us to do today. The little things, the big things, may we master every sphere of life and ministry Lord, that we might know how to walk with you in victory and that as you use us to be the Joshua's, as you use us to be the Timothy's, as you raise us up in the Peter and James's and John, not all for the pulpit, but whatever it is in life, if we will listen to the man of God, Lord, there are things in our life that he will prepare us for. 
and we will walk in victory if we will learn to do these things well. I give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap. Thank you for your time, everybody. After that, I mean, I've got all in my heart, but I can't, I can't get it out tonight. Let's give. You know, as you're, anybody need a cash envelope? You know, as you're getting together, everything that you give will go to Ray. Uh, you know, I've been here 30, Doc, 32, 33, anyway, long time. And the church right now, everybody, is at a stage, we come out of COVID. We haven't been together because of COVID and da da da, da. But we're not in unity. We're not in unity because people are doing their own things. People are going and coming and thinking they've got the way to do it, and they never come down to coming back to where we're supposed to be and follow what we want to do. They say, well, we're not, where we're, we're not where we should be. I told some people earlier, we've got like a Baptist church. Now, I'm not condemning the Baptist church. But we come in, we sit down, we do praise and worship, we have the word, and that's it. That's not it. That's not it. We've got, we can't even have nursery four times a week because we don't have the help. Because everybody's just in that COVID mode. And, I mean, I could just go on and on. But we got to get back to what we were taught. 32 years we've been teaching here. I can't tell the same story over and over and over and over. We just got to start doing what the scripture says. Jesus came and he walked and he said, this is how we do it. He laid hands on the sick. He cast out demons left and right. When's the last time you? I'm talking about right here. I'm not talking about out on your partying. I'm talking about right here. We've got to come prepared. We've got to come knowing that God's going to use us. We've got to come as a unit. We've got to, we've got to start encouraging. We've got, to, we've got to start performing the miracles and the healings and the things that happen so the people out there will go, there's something going on at Grace. Remember when something was going on at Grace? Well, it's still going on. we just got to get it back. And people like Ray saying, come on, let's get back and do it. I'll get the preach on here. It's the truth, folks. I mean, I'm getting more of a revelation of just when you just read the Gospels and watch what he did. And then he said, this is the kingdom of God, what I'm doing. Not screaming at people out, out there to get saved. Just start being what you're supposed to be here and every place you go. Who was I talking to? Steve was sharing with us the other night. He was at work. And the guy was telling about they're going to have to cut his foot off. He's, got di he's diabetic and got other problems. And Steve just said, can I pray for you? And Steve, I was so surprised that Steve said that. Because Steve used to be here. And, and Steve learned. And he just went over. And the guy said, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, the guy, after a month or so, come back and out of his surgery, he still had his foot. And he was walking on it. They was able to fix it a different way. You say, well, what happened? He did what Jesus did. And that's what we've got, to, we've got to get back at it. Let's give. Let's do that. Father, we thank you. 
that we've got the finances to bless Ray as he's going to be going off on a trip and it takes finances to get down. Uh, they're going to try to give him chickens and stuff, Father, and he don't need that. He needs money to get down and get back. So we thank you that that need's going to be met here and tomorrow morning, and we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and pass the buckets. Ray has got, how many did I count last night? I was teasing him. I think there's 18. I said, well, you've got 18 sermons, but that's not the case. But go out and look his uh, CDs over and his teachings. They're all like what you just heard. They're, they're all great, got good, deep stuff in it. It's what we need. Uh, I tease him all the time. I said, these evangelists, they've only got four or five sermons, and they just tell the same one every time they go. But not true, not true, not true, not true. Let's all stand. We done back there? Father, we thank you. We know where to go. We know what to do. We don't need to be taught. We've been taught and taught and taught and taught. We just need to start doing and I thank you, Father, that uh, the bottom line on any church is the helps ministry. Without the helps ministry working to the ability that they've got in that perfection, it'll never accomplish what you've got planned for them to accomplish. So we thank you that we're going to come together, we're going to accomplish exactly what you want done, and watch you fill the seats back up, and watch you do the work that needs to be done. And we trust in you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ray will be out there at the table, won't you? Go out to the, go out there, sir.